Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. We're in the middle of a series that we've entitled How to Live Free. How to Live Free. How to Live a Life of Freedom. And the reason why we're talking about this idea of freedom is because Jesus talked about it. In John chapter 8, verse 32, he said this about freedom. He said, listen, uh, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He goes on in verse 36 and says, hey, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Jesus talks about this life of freedom. And freedom from what? Maybe freedom from small thinking. Uh, Freedom from living up to somebody else's expectations of your life. Freedom uh, from isolation. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from shame. Uh, You know, freedom from living a self-destructive pattern in your life. Uh, Freedom ultimately from sin that separated us from God. Freedom to live a life that God has for us. Freedom from that isolation that's sin does, that death, uh, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And it's not just a matter of being free from something. It's actually also a life of being free to do things. So now we're set free to live, truly live, right? Free to love, free to create, free to build, free to change. And so what we're looking at in this series is we're looking at this book in the Bible called Galatians. And it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a group of churches in Galatia. And really in this book, he begins to make a case for living a life of freedom. And I would encourage you, uh, we're going to pull out some really great stuff on a Sunday. But could I encourage you to begin to read this book on your own time throughout the week? And uh, when you walk into the room, all the lights go off. That's incredible right there in the background. That's how good that was right there. But could you do me a favor and um, read Galatians when your own personal time? Because not only does God want to speak to you, and not only do we come on a Sunday to hear me speak to what God is talking to me about, but he wants to speak to you personally about what's in this incredible book. And here's the thing about Galatians. It's six chapters. So if you just commit one week, one day a week to read this book, you got one day to miss, one day to take a break, but could the next couple weeks you commit to doing that? And can I encourage you with this too? Um, maybe read it or listen to it all in one sitting. And here's why I'm challenging with that, because the original hearers of this letter would have listened to it all the first time. They would have listened to it all from the beginning to end, because it was a letter, and they would have come out, and they would have listened to this person read this letter. So there are some things that you are going to pick up in this book that you wouldn't have if you just read one chapter at a time, right? What would it be if you read an email, and we all have that person, you know, a family in your workplace, when they send you an email, it's a book, right? You're like, oh God, Karen sent an another one. Schedule 30 minutes. We're going to have to read it right now. Right? What is it? You got a big email and you only read sections of it every day. Uh, You would maybe miss some of the context and the rhythm of the flow. But so let me encourage you right now. Take throughout this week, download. There's a great uh, version app. It's the Bible app. You can download it and uh, listen to it because there's an audio version part of it. And you can just sit down, give yourself 10 minutes and listen to the entire book of Galatians read to you about what this life says about freedom. And if you're with us today, uh, why don't you just turn there right now? Because in a moment, we're going to get there. We're going to read it together, Galatians chapter 1. But in this book, Paul makes this case for freedom. 
And he starts talking about how this life of freedom was, how do we experience it? We experience it by grace and through faith. That this life of freedom is a gift. It's a gift from God. It's not something that you can earn. It's not something that you deserve. Actually, when you were at your worst, this is when this gift was offered to you. It's truly, purely grace, undeserved, unmerited. It's a gift for you. No matter where you grew up, how you were raised, no matter how you acted, God has given you this gift of freedom. And you experience it by grace through faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus, who we've been singing about this morning. Faith that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the son of God. But he came to the earth to be a man, to pay the ultimate price for sin. And he walked among us and he spoke the words of God and he reflected who God was. And he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he walked on water and he multiplied food and he loved those who were unlovable and he reached out to the ones who were isolated, who were ostracized. He went after those. This was the Jesus and he not only did that, but then he died on a cross. And three days later, he raised from the dead. And because of that, now this this freedom is available and it is a trust and a faith. It is a repentance from our sin. It is a turning to God and saying, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. Jesus, you are now at the center of my life. And not only that, this life of freedom, that's by grace and through faith, now also has the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. Because Jesus said when he walked the plane, he said, listen, eventually I'm gonna go back up to heaven. But when I do, it's better that's the case because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. He's the counselor. He's the teacher. He's gonna teach you how to live this life of freedom now because you've never been this way before. You don't know what it's like to live a free life. You're gonna learn it. He's gonna teach you and he's gonna give you the power and the ability to do it. So this is what Paul makes a case for for in the book of Galatians. This God initiated and God changed life of freedom. And today I really want to talk about that today. How do we live a life of change? We are free to change. So how do we live that out? Now let me qualify when I say the word change. First of all, change is not the savior in our story, right? I don't make changes so that I am free. That's not what we're talking about. I am free. So now I can change, right? It's not the savior. It's just a part of my journey with Jesus. I also know this, that change is not the villain in the story. Like I don't want to run away from change. I don't want to back off from change. God is not someone who's just another person in my life who's trying to change me, put some confines on No, 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 no. Change is a good thing though. When it's God initiated and it's someone who comes, who knows you and created you, change does need to happen a little bit. So it's not the villain. Change though is not a process and is not neat. I wish it was. I wish I could stand up here right and say, hey, there's the next five things you need to do and your marriage will be completely done and taken care of. Amazing. It'll be incredible. We, we want that though, right? We like change. that's like immediate. How many of us have clicked on that article? Hey, eat these five foods and two exercises and you'll have a flat stomach by summer. <laughs> yes, please. Right? Oh, uh, we're my single ladies that make these three adjustments to your life and you will find the love of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Parents, right? Include these five practices in your children's life and it will change their behavior. I will pay you a million dollars for that knowledge. <laughs> We want change to be clean and neat. The thing about change, it's messy and it's a process, right? But when it's God initiated and it's God lived, it's a part of our journey of living free, right? So let's begin to talk and let's read here Galatians chapter one. We're gonna start in verse 13. Uh, Here we go. It's gonna be on the screen, but man, I encourage you to get some reps in in your Bible, get some reps in on your phone if you're reading it that way. Here we go. This is Paul and we're gonna learn a lot about Paul. So I'm not gonna give you much background, but we're gonna talk about Paul today. He writes this. He says, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. 
I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the tradition of my ancestors. But check it out. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. There's that word. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Come on. And when this happened, I did not rush out to consult with human beings, nor did I go to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia. And later, I returned to the city of Damascus, almost done. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, another disciple of Jesus. And I stayed with him for 15 days. And the only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declared before God that what I'm writing to is not a lie. And after that, I visited and went north to the province of Syria and Cilicia. And still in the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. Check this out. I love it. This is how we ended. All they knew was that people were saying the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. I don't know about you, but I love, I love a good story. Who doesn't love a good story? Right? When, you're, when you're little and you're young, like kids love stories. I remember growing up, my mom would tell us stories of my grandma Lucy, who was this Italian immigrant who was a Christian. She was spirit-filled, and she'd just get in your face. And she, she, my mom would tell the story with a broken English accent, and I loved it. It was so awesome. And, and kids love stories told to them. Right? They love watching movies because they're stories. How many of you parents, you know that movie that your kids watched 300 times, sometimes back to back? back to back to back, right? And your internal like soundtrack is for the movie Coco. You know what I mean? You're just like, oh, if I have to hear that, when you're just walking around singing, remember me. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> what? Kids love stories. We love stories, right? We all love stories. You love a good book. You probably have a book series, right? That you like to listen, read and you go on a vacation, you grab one of them because you love the story. There's a movie that you really love. That movie you've seen a hundred times as well. You can quote it. It's that movie that when you're going through the TV channels, if it's on, no matter where it is in the movie, you stop and you watch it because you love movies. We love movies because they're, they're stories of transformation. They're stories of change, right? The character starts this way and through a series of events, they end and look like this or have a different perspective. We love the transformational stories, right, ladies? Who doesn't love a great makeover montage, right? With that young girl with the bushy eyebrows and the frizzly hair and the glasses and the awkward clothes. Cue the Kelly Clarkson song. Three minutes later, snip, snip, clip, clip, cluck, pluck, pluck. Uh, 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 contacts, she's a 10. You know what I mean? And it's like, who doesn't love that, Right? Where are my guys at? We love the, the workout montages, right? Come on, Rocky Balboa. Lost his mojo, right? Next thing you know, he gets it back because Adrian says, you got to win the fight. Then he's hitting meat and you know what I mean? And running on the beach with Apollo Creed. Ends up jumping up and down in slow motion, hugging each other in the water. I don't know how that happened, but you know what? He changed. <laughs> We love the stories of transformation, stories of change. Man, why? Because those stories, they give us hope, right? Come on, you watch that so many times I've watched Rock. I give Gabrielle the, the Costco bag of popcorn. I'm saying, take this, baby. I'm going to do some push-ups right now. <laughs> Good. We love change, right? It inspires us. Even those stories that we watch or read are different than ours. We can relate to those stories, right? We can find ourselves intertwined in those stories. And really, we can learn from them. You can learn a lot about a story. You can learn a lot from people's stories. And the reason why I'm talking about that is this is the reason. In Galatians, starting with chapter 2 through 6, Paul is going to systematically break down why you're free and what that looks like. 
He's going to go straight theological on you. He's going to talk about what it means to have the law and what the law meant and the law that's supposed to play a part in your life. And he's going to give these illustrations. He's going to paint a picture of who we are then and who we are now because of Jesus. He's going to go on to talk about the Holy Spirit because he's going to say, hey, listen, I know you're free, but just because you're free doesn't mean you can just do anything you want because if you sin still in that life of freedom, you become a slave to that sin. So he talks about how does it look to have a partnership with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? And how, what does that look like? In chapters five and six, he says, hey, you know, there is fruit that comes out of your life and he starts breaking down. If your life looks like this, you are not free because the Holy Spirit's not working in your life in the right way. But if your life looks like this and he starts getting, he gets so fired up, he gets so jacked. At one point, he takes the pen from the person who was writing it because most of the time, Paul's letters were dictated. But at one point, he grabs the pen, he starts writing in all capital letter, I am Paul, I'm writing this right now. He's so fired up. So he makes this theological, systematic argument for why you're to live free now because of Jesus Christ. But before he gets there, in chapter 1, he tells a story. Before he gets to all the doctrine, Paul tells the story of his life. For the rest of our time together, whether you're in the room or online, we're going to spend some time listening and hearing Paul's story. Here's my prayer. When you hear Paul's story, when I pray it inspire you, I pray it encourage you. I pray give you faith and hope for your life. I pray that you would find yourself in that story. I actually think that though a Jewish guy who lived thousands of years ago in another part of the world, we can still relate to his journey. And I think we're going to learn. There are elements of Paul's journey of change and transformation that I think we can apply or work on in our lives. And we'll begin to see that some of the changes that we are free to make begin to happen in our marriages, in our families, in our workplace, in our life. So here we go from the very beginning. I love it. Paul chapter 1 verse 13 starts. He says, you know what it was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. Paul had a past. Who can relate, right? Paul had a past and it wasn't a good one, right? Now, on the outside, it looks like Paul had a pretty good life. He grew up in this really great home. He grew up in a pretty uh, educated, he went to the best universities, and, and he, he didn't rebel. He wasn't one of those stories where growing up in the right neighborhood, right uh, family, in the right schools, he didn't rebel. He actually embraced this way of life, this Jewish way of life. He, he leaned into it and gave his, himself to it. And here's the thing about Paul, though, and this was the mistake he made. He really thought that God was something you did things for. That was all about obtaining things from God, that my goodness would dictate God's love and interaction with me. That's how we saw it. He was going to live as good as he possibly could. And guess what? So were you. And if you weren't going to live good, he was going to make you live good. That's how passionate he was about it. For Paul, God was still in his life, but he was in the peripheral of his life. I'm doing things for God, but I'm, God is not at the center. And so it was about obtaining it was about earning. It was about just doing things perfect and right. And then there was this moment where there's this message that's being preached by this man named Jesus. And supposedly he was dead and he was raised from the dead is what Paul hears. And now his followers are walking around talking this message that it's not about works. It's not about actions. It's about grace. It's about love. It's about mercy. It's about faith. And it made Paul mad. And so he would go throughout the, the, the different parts of the towns finding people who believe this and he would cause destruction and he would cause chaos. And he he would put people in jail and he would be a part of people's executions that live that way. This is how, how intense Paul lived his life. Now I can relate to Paul's story in some ways. Now I can't relate. I didn't grow up in a Jewish home and I've never put somebody in jail. Okay, I put children in a timeout before, but that's about the max of what I really do some time up in your room. But I, I, I can relate to growing up for me personally, part of my story, I can relate to growing up in a good home. I did. I grew up in a great home. I grew up in a home that put me in church, that raised me the right way. 
And for the most part, I will say, I never had this crazy wild streak in me. I, I really leaned in and embraced the life that was in front of me. I mean, there was this one time in high school when I went to Christian's house and we had a Corona. That was about the most intense thing I did. <laughs> did I feel like a rebel though? Didn't even use a lime. That's how bet. Yeah. Oh, I was living. I really didn't have that crazy moment though, that season, right? That's about it. I embraced what God had for me. But you know how I do relate to Paul? I, though raised up in a church, great family, great home. I really did see God as something I had to earn. I was a works kind of guy. I really felt like I had to earn it. And so on a good day when I did things right and made right decisions, I felt like God loved me. And then the days where I didn't and I made mistakes and I fell short, I'd wake up ashamed and want to run away from God. And so for me, my, part of my story is I can relate. I get it. I get when God really isn't at the center. He was peripheral at different points in my life. He was, I had a borrowed faith. Like my parents believed and other people believed. And so I kind of, kind of believed, but it was like over here. Now, I think we all can relate to Paul's story because I think we all can relate to the fact that we all have had a past. And sometimes we think that our past actually disqualifies us from God ever loving us from God ever using us. Sometimes we look at our life and say, well, my life is a product of my environment. Like Paul, whether it was good or bad, your life sometimes look, well, I'm a product of my environment. And so how you see life and how you see your future is probably just while you were growing up. You're just leaning into the way it was. Marriages looked like this, uh, divorce, divorce, divorce. That's probably gonna end up with me. You're gonna look at this addiction, addiction, alcoholism, alcoholism. That's probably how my life is gonna look. And sometimes we get to this place and where we think our past is really a prediction of where we're going to be. But what I love about Paul's stories. Paul's story says, hey, that, your past does not disqualify you. When you believe and put your trust in Jesus, it actually just becomes a part of your story and that you're not alone. You're not isolated because sometimes we think our past isolates us and disconnects us from what other people's journeys looks like. No, everyone has a similar journey, a journey where they're away from God, a journey where God is on the peripheral. And maybe for some of you, God wasn't even on the peripheral. He was like not in the picture at all. But just because of that does not mean you're disqualified. Paul's life says it's not over. It's not finished. I'm grateful that Paul started his story in, in verse 13 and not right when he met Jesus. I'm glad I knew that Paul was a messed up dude and he needed Jesus and he needed something supernatural because he was so locked and dialed into the way he was living his life and he fully believed it, that he needed something. I'm glad that gives me hope and I hope that gives you hope. I hope that gives you hope for family members for cousins and brothers and sisters and children and spouses that are so locked into this is the way life is going to be and what they need is a moment with Jesus Christ. Paul's life says it's not over. It's not done. The story doesn't end right there. Because though it starts there in verse 13, I love what it goes on to say in verse 15, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. And then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news of Jesus to Galilee. Then all of a sudden, here's Paul. He has this moment with Jesus, his full conversion. You can actually read it in Acts chapter nine. And when you read it, just so you don't get confused, he's referred to as Saul. Now what's the difference? Why Saul, why Paul? Quick little Bible nerd moment right here for you guys. Paul was a Roman citizen and Jewish. When you were pretty rich, you had three different names. So for, just to keep it simple, Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Gentile name. So he would go by different names depending his context. So when he sent, introduces the story, Saul is on his way to a town to arrest people who believe in Jesus and are preaching this message of grace by, through faith. And he's going to go massacre. He's going to go cause chaos. He's on his way to build destruction. And on his way there, God appears to him on a road and it's this bright light and he knocks Paul, Saul, Paul right off his horse and God speaks to him and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he goes, Lord, what do you mean? 
What are you, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus, the one you've been persecuting. Now, listen, stand up, go into the town. I'm going to tell you what to do. At that moment, Paul is converted. At that moment, he has this experience with Jesus Christ himself. At that moment, he comes to some realizations about some things that I think are so powerful because he says it right here. In that moment, Paul realized, wow, my life isn't what I, what I know about God. My life is that God knows me. My life is not about doing things for God. My life is, the, is a response that God actually did something for me through Jesus Christ. And I don't have to earn it. I don't have to be good enough for it. He loves me right where Paul has such a deep revelation that he no longer has to do things for God, that he thinks, God, even when I was not even born yet, when I couldn't do anything, you loved me then. You called me then. And God, you knew everything I was going to do with my life, all the horrible and bad things I was going to do before I met you. And still you called me. And still you loved me. And still you had a plan for my life. Pause this moment. He comes to terms with the love and the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. He completely responds with the faith of God, I trust you. Paul's story tells us that. That there are moments where you have to understand and that God would reveal to you, maybe today in this moment or online, that God knew you. He knows you right now. No matter how much you know or don't know about him, God knows you. And before you were born, God knew you. And God called you. You were pre-loved by God. And God knew everything that you would do up to this moment, good and bad, and he still called you, and he still has a plan for you. That means everything that you've walked through in your life right now, everything that has happened to you is not canceled, but God has for your life. That means the details of your conception do not matter. What matters is that in the moment of your mother's womb, God knitted you, God formed you, God called you, God loved you. And nothing changes that. Nothing changes that. I'm, how about those of us that may be walking with Jesus for a while? What about us? What are those of us, you know, are there not still areas of your life where you feel trapped? Where you're caught in a bad cycle? Are still not areas of your life where you're not satisfied? We just need some level of freedom. Are those certain areas where, man, we just haven't introduced and invited Jesus to the center of it? Because this new life with God, all of a sudden, here's one of the things Paul learns also. Hey, God is meant to be at the periphery of my life. He's meant to be at the center of my life. And God loves me so much that he meets me right where I'm at. But guess what? He doesn't want to leave me there either. He wants to walk me through this change. So are there areas of my life where I'm feeling trapped and hurt and broken and a little bit of shame? And there's areas that I don't really talk about with other people. And there's areas that really I don't include God in. And yet I want to invite now those, those areas into my life. Say, God, be at the center of this relationship. God, be at the center of my financial decisions. God, be at the center of my friendships. God, be at the center of my future hopes and dreams and business. And we invite the Spirit of God in to say, God, lead and guide me. And you realize, hey, no matter how bad you have messed up this area of your life, God still loves you. And God still has a plan for that area of your life. I'm so glad, too, that Paul doesn't say here in Galatians, this was the moment I decided to be a Christian. What does he say? He said, Jesus was, God was pleased to reveal himself to me. This life of following Jesus is awesome. Again, I don't have to muster trying to believe in God. It's a moment where God wants to reveal himself to you. You don't have to make that happen. You don't have to conjure that up. You don't have to believe, believe, believe. Get yourself open. Get yourself ready. No, God himself will come to you whenever you want, whenever you're open. And he will reveal that to you. He's going to reveal Jesus to you. And you will know that you are loved and you are accepted. Not because I'm saying it, because God himself somehow, some way is going to reveal it to you. And it could be during a song. And it could be in a moment of quiet. It could be when you're in your car. It could be when you're in the workplace. It could be when you're in your city group. But there are moments where God will. And maybe for some of you, you need a moment of reaffirming reaffirming it. Because you've helped that before, but it's been a minute. 
And you've slowly, unfortunately, gotten back to this earning, trying to obtain it kind of thing. And God's got to remind you again. No, no, remember, I love you now more than I ever have. Right now, I will never love you more than I do right now. You are loved. I love that, man. Paul's story speaks so much. But here's the thing about Paul. He, he has this moment. He's converted. So what now, right? Because what do we do next? Like, I'm a Christian. Sweet. So now what? What do we go? What does Paul say he does? The moment after he's converted, he says this. He says, at the end of verse 16, when this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went into Arabia and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Now, I'm not going to lie. I almost broke out into Arabian Nights from Aladdin there. I didn't know I was going to call the band back up. Come on up. Let's do it. I'm not going to do it because it'll be in your head all day. If it's not already now that I just said that. What did Paul do the moment after he was converted? He doesn't go back to the way of life where he used to. He doesn't go back to doing, doing, doing. He goes away to Arabia. Arabia was this moment of isolation. It was a moment of quiet and solitude. It was a place for Paul to reflect and think about what just happened to him. Because can we not appreciate the fact that Paul's life has completely changed? He does not know how to live a life where you don't have to obtain favor and grace from God. He does not know a life that is a life that is fully loved and accepted and forgiven. He's never lived that way before. He doesn't even know how to think that way. He doesn't know how to live that way. And so he has to take moments where he gets away to Arabia and allows the Holy Spirit that now dwells on the inside of him to begin to change and adjust the way he thinks to help him fully sink in and understand what exactly just happened on the inside of me. I wonder how many of us have made a decision to follow Jesus or had a moment of freedom in a service and we leave only to rush back to the human voices, rush back to the way life used to be and we fail to truly understand and grasp that wow, your life is actually different now. Like you're free. You don't have to be addicted. You don't have to go through a divorce. You don't have to be a horrible parent. You can be incredible. You can live a life. You can be successful. God has something for your life but we don't, sometimes don't fully understand what that means. I can live free. I can live accepted. I don't have to earn it. I can live a life beyond what anyone else says I can. We have to have moments where it's like, man, I'm a Christian. I got my Bible. I got the red card. So now what? And we need moments for the Holy Spirit to teach you. My son, he's playing t-ball. And uh, given the unique, you know, wanting to have a season and whatever. And so they're having it. And so uh, they don't have like normal team names, you know, like they would give like a minor league team. So they let the kids pick the names. So when you give a six and seven year old a permission to name your team, your, your team name is the Ninja Dragons. <laughs> right? Come on. It's pretty cool. It's like I'd watch that show on Nickelodeon for sure. I'm going to copyright that when I'm done. But it's so funny because he's going to play baseball. I'm like, yes, my boy's playing baseball. We're going to Dick's. I'm buying him all the equipment, right? The glove, the batting gloves, the pants, the belt, the the socks, the helmet, the bat. I mean, he doesn't have a college fund anymore, but he's a baseball player. (laughs) And I remember the first game, I'm looking at my boy. There he is, baseball player. Look at that. And then they started to play the game, and I realized he doesn't know how to be a baseball player. Standing on third base is a person on first and second. They hit the ball. He's just standing there because the ball didn't come to him. So he's like, well, so I'm, I'm out. I'm good. And my wife and I are screaming, get to third base. Get and he's running the third and then he stares at us. You know what I mean? It's like, no, don't look at us. Look at the ball. And he's trying to track. And then the third base coach from the other team is telling the other kid to go home. And he's screaming, go home, go home. And Ford thinks he's yelling at him. So he starts running home with his glove. I'm like, this kid does not know how to play baseball. He's got to learn. 
So I'm grateful for the practices where he can learn what it's like and learn the theory and understanding what happens at a baseball. I'm grateful for the coaches that are there to say, okay, Ford, now listen, when this happens in a game, here's what you're going to do. Because he's a baseball player, but he still has to learn what it looks like to be a baseball player, right? You're, 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 in, a free, you're in a free life now. You have freedom. You can change. You can live. You can create. You can build. You can love. But what does that look like? You got to go to Arabia. You got to go to moments where the Holy Spirit himself will speak to you and say, okay, now listen, when this is happens, this is what you're going to do. You get away, and I just mean with your thoughts, you get away with your Bible, because this is the way God speaks to us, mostly. You're going to read and say, oh, that's how I'm supposed to treat people who I disagree with. Oh, that's, that's how I'm supposed to love my wife. Oh, this is how I'm supposed to raise my kids. Oh, this is how I'm supposed to think now. This is how I'm supposed to see myself. This is how I'm supposed to see others. And you get away. What does Arabia look like? Arabia can look like a bunch of different things, but Arabia might be on a Sunday morning. A Sunday morning is in Arabia. It's a moment where the Spirit of God can speak to you. It's a moment to get out of the normal rhythm and routine of life, and you get here and you just rest in his presence. May I encourage you to look at Sundays not as something optional, but something that is necessary for your life? Not because you got, Jesus loves you more, because you go, you really don't go to heaven if you go to Sunday. I hope you caught the joke there. Isaac was joking. Everyone was like, oh, that kind of church. All right, I see how this is. No, 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 no. It's an Arabia. You need to hear the voice of God speak to you. The Bible says, God says this, he says, hey, when there are two more gathered in my name, I'm there. So we know when we come on a Sunday, not because we're something special, but because we're all here, God's here and he'll speak to you. Right. Arabia might be moments where you have to get throughout your day and spend a little bit of time in your day in your Bible reading and letting God speak to you. To this day, I need Arabia. I need quiet. I need solitude. I have four children, six and under. My house is loud and it is chaotic. We nicknamed our twin girls the Thunder Sisters. And because when they walk in a room, you know it. And I need moments super early where it's just me and God. Because Mike wants to get back to the old way you used to live. I, I want to get back to the earning where God's at the peripheral. But then I allow the Spirit of God to speak to me through his word. And I know what you're saying. Mike, the last thing I need coming off of 2020 is more isolation. Right? The last thing it needs to be alone. But can I tell you, whose voice you listen to in isolation is just as important as the isolation that you have? Paul said, I didn't rush to hear somebody else's voice. I rushed to hear the voice of God. Come on, let's not rush to hear what the news and the podcast and the Instagram people that you follow who think the way you think and they're just further deeping you into this level that isn't necessarily biblically sound. And you let the Spirit of God speak to you on how you to live your life. And you'll learn how it's like to treat someone who doesn't agree with what you agree with. And you'll learn what it's like to be unified in a church. And you'll learn what it's like to take captive negative thoughts that are trying to mess with your mind. And you know what it's like. You'll learn what it's like to love your wife and your husband. You'll know what it's like to raise your children. You're going to know what it's like to raise a business that is integrous and successful. You'll know what it's like to live single and holy in this life. You will learn. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will teach you. Because he's the counselor. He's the teacher. He said, I'm there on the inside of you. Come on, let's get to Arabia. Arabia. But I love this about Paul. He's alone, but he didn't stay alone. Eventually he understands. He goes, he goes on to say this. He says, then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter. He was one of the other disciples. And I stayed with him for 15 days. That word get to know in the Greek is this, uh, it's called, uh, the Greek word is like historia. It's where we get the word history. It paints this picture of two people sitting down swapping stories. Paul didn't go to Peter to uh, teach him 
and Peter didn't teach Paul. They sat down and they talked about how their lives had been changed by Jesus Christ. Two completely different stories. Peter is a fisherman, blue collar, kind of rough, swearing at little kids. Next thing you know, he meets Jesus and over a three-year internship period, he's converted and believes that Jesus is the son of God. Paul, high-end, highly educated, rich guy who was a Pharisee, has a moment with Jesus and is completely converted. Two different stories, but there are common themes of grace and mercy. It's so important that you begin to, uh, in your journey of change, is you don't neglect the moments where you share the story of change with other people. Because when you begin to share your story with what God has done in your life, and you hear people's stories of what God does in your life, I'm going to tell you something. Though it is different, you will find the common themes of love and grace, and you will leave excited, and you will leave faith-filled, and you will leave encouraged, because yes, you will leave affirmed, because sometimes if you stay isolated with what God has done on the inside of you, you're like, is that an emotion? Was that real? Was that not God? Was that God? And when you hear what other people are going through, you go, no, 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 that was God. Yeah, what I heard and what I felt, yes, God does talk to people that way. That, that is, and it affirms your own walk with God. If you're a city group leader, can I encourage you every once in a while, not often, but every once in a while, can you just get around the table with your group and say, hey, let's talk about how our life was changed by Jesus. And I promise you, it'll be one of the best groups you've ever led because you're going to walk away with faith and strength and courage and wanting to change because you're going to see this arc of God's goodness and faithfulness and mercy. It's a part of the journey of following Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Everyone loves the story of change. Paul's story is an incredible story. It's a story that I believe that we can be inspired by. I believe it's a story that we uh, can find ourselves and relate to. I believe it's a story where we can learn how to start walking out this life of change. This life of change, it, it speaks to this idea that nothing is wasted in it. Paul's intense Jewish education was not wasted after he met Jesus. It actually, God, God would use that to, for Paul to convert non-Jewish people to the message of Jesus. It's actually part of what made him incredible. Paul was passionate. My man was intense. Some of the words to describe Paul's anger towards the early church was described like a, a hungry animal that was going after meat. Like it was just this intensity. He did not lose that when he met Jesus. God just redirected it. Because he said, the guy that was so passionate about destroying the church is now preaching it. God's not going to change your personality to how he made you. He just might redirect it. You may adjust the way you were going this way with it. But God said, you know, I made you that way. I made you to think that way. I made you to be passionate. I made you to be outspoken. I made you to be a thinker. And here's the thing. You're not, you're going in the wrong. I want you to go here though with it. It's part of your story. He, God who works all things together for my good. Your, your past is not something that's meant to be hidden. It's a platform that just speaks to the goodness and the mercy of God. So you should tell your story. And you've walked through things that I haven't walked through. And so when somebody's walking through something similar, you can relate to it and you can help them get out of it because you personally have walked through it yourself. It's a part of your story. God redeems it. God uses it. He works it for your good. Nothing is wasted in the life of freedom. Nothing is wasted in a journey of change change. He works it all together for the good. God's good. And he wants you and I to live free. And because we're free, we can change. Amen. Can you stand with me this morning before? Uh, and if you do me a favor, we just take a moment to bow your head and close your eyes. And the only reason why I ask you to close your eyes, I don't know about you, but I, um, I get distracted. 
So when you close your eyes, and I'm gonna offer an invitation here in a moment. I'm gonna ask a certain group of people to raise their hand. And, and this is who I'm gonna talk to. You're the, the group of people I wanna talk to right now. You're the people that you can relate to Paul's past. God has not been at the center of your life. He's been on the peripheral. Whether you were trying to earn something or whether you were trying to do good or figure it out, but you're at a place in your life right now where when I spoke about the message of Jesus, something resonated on the inside of you. And right now you're gonna receive the gift of this gracious gift of the love of the Father. And right now you're here and you're like, you know what? I'm done living the way that I live my life. I don't wanna live trapped. I don't wanna live uh, imprisoned by emotions and other people's expectations. I don't wanna live, I don't want to live imprisoned by addictions. How the way I was brought up as a family, no, I want to be free. This freedom is available to you. Whether you're with us in the room or online, it's available to you. It's a gift. And you're ready to respond. I'm going to give an invitation in a moment. I ask you to raise your hand. And here's going to be the reason why you're going to raise your hand. You're going to say, today, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. Today, I'm going to turn from my sin and repent. And I'm going to put my trust in the one who has always known me. The one who was there with me from the very beginning. The one who formed me and knitted me. The one who loves me right as I am. And the one who's going to make me and set me free. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. It's a, it's a moment to say, yes, I'm going to believe. Where online, you're going to see a link come up. And it's going to say, you're going to click and say, yes, I believe today. I'm making a decision. I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not living the way I used to live. I'm living something different. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One. I'm done living the way I used to live and I want something different too. I know it's Jesus and I'm gonna put my trust in Jesus Christ. Three, if that's you, would you raise your hand for me? Thank you for that hand. Awesome, thank you for that hand. Come on, anyone else? Keep, if you raise your hand, keep it up. Thank you for that hand. Thank you so much. Anybody else? You're making a decision. Come on, you're making a decision today. Believe in Jesus. Come on, you raise your hand. Do me a favor. There's a, there is a, in the seat in front of you, there is a red card. Will you just grab it? It's going to be a point of faith for you. There's a red card in the seat in front of you. It's maybe one of the ones in front, but grab it real quick. And if you made that decision, everyone had bicycles, but if you made that decision, will you look at me real quick? Thank you, thank you. Thank you for giving me the honor and privilege to be a part of this moment with you. It's awesome. We're going to say a prayer and we're all going to do it together. Why are we going to do it together? Because I want you to know that you're making this decision on your own, but you're going to get ready to join a family of people who've already done it and they're going to be with you and we got your back. Right? So we're going to say this together. And this prayer is a prayer that's simply going to put words to what you feel on the inside. It's nothing special about the prayer. You believe it. You've chosen it. We're just going to put some words to it. So City Church California, can we say this prayer together today? Everyone together, especially if you made that decision. Say, thank you, God, for loving me. Father, forgive me of my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, amen. I mean, in a moment, we're going to go back into worship. Can we, I don't leave just yet, and if you're still online, don't click off just yet. Here's why. Can we have one last moment of Arabia? Real quick. Can we have one more Arabian moment where God's going to speak to you? Those of you that recently just made that decision, like right now, let a moment for God will speak to you right now. I believe you will. But can I encourage you with this, and I want to pray for you, and then we'll go back into it. Can we all Live a, live a life where we have a story to tell? Can we live that way? Can we not be ashamed of our past, but really be excited that God redeemed us from it? Come on, can we, can we take moments maybe throughout this week and maybe you need to begin to instill some Arabia in your life? 
right? Maybe for some of you, you need to get around in your group and tell people your story. Maybe for some of us, we got to take that next level because Paul went from telling the story with Peter to then going to different towns and telling people who didn't know Jesus' story. So for some of you, maybe our next step is to go to your workplace, go to your neighborhood, go to your kid's soccer game or baseball game and start telling the story of how Jesus changed your life. Come on, but can we live a life of a story that's worth telling, right? Come on, let me pray for you this morning. God, here we are. Holy Spirit, you're here and you speak to us. You are a clear voice. You are our teacher. You are our guide and you are our counselor. And you give us the power to live this life of freedom. And I pray that as we worship you right now, whether you're in this room or in their home, Father, that right now you would have it the praises of your people and you would speak to us and you would lead us and you would guide us and you direct us and you would reaffirm in us, God, that you love us. And you would speak the words of heaven that says, hey, walk this way. Hey, act this way. Hey, change this relationship. And God, that you would give us the cold boldness and the courage, Father, and the tenacity, Father, to share our story with people. And the story, our story will lift up the name of Jesus. And when the name of Jesus is lift up, God, we pray that it would bring all men to the saving knowledge of you. And so we thank you that a city of Ventura, in Oxnard, in Santa Paula, in Fillmore, in Camarillo, in Oak Park, in Oakview, in Ojai, in Carpinteria, would hear the stories of Jesus Christ and the lives that were changed, and they would give their life to him in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just worship tonight, right now, the city church. Come on, let's have a moment where God speaks to us. Come on. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.